Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast. It's the playoff edition. That's right. We are into round two of the National Basketball League of Canada playoffs. And in the Atlantic Division, the one-seed Halifax Hurricanes taking on the two-seed Moncton Magic. We are getting set for game four tomorrow night in Moncton at the Coliseum, 7 p.m. Very pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Moncton Magic. This is Joe Salerno. Hi, Joe. Hey, Scott. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Good to have you with us. We were talking uh, just before we came on, and uh, I kind of forgot what day it was. <laughs> you, you said, yeah, you kind of lose track. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely easy to do, especially in these, these playoff series where you're playing almost every other day or, or whatnot. Uh, you know, you're kind of so focused on, on one thing. I, I easily lose track of, of what day it is. Uh, I do it often <laughs> late in the season. So I was able to confirm via my Google Calendar, it is Wednesday. <laughs> right? It is Wednesday, and the only reason I know that is because we play Game 4 tomorrow, and I knew that was on a Thursday. <laughs> All right, so before we get to Game 4, uh, we want to certainly talk about last night's very big win for the Moncton Magic. You know, obviously uh, their biggest win of the season thus far as all the games take on much more magnitude this time of year. But before we get to that, Coach, uh, you know, the first two games in Halifax happened. Halifax, you know, did what they had to do. They protected their home court. They got the first two games. Uh, But maybe if you look at those two games, uh, you know, what were a couple of thoughts that you had coming away from those two? Again, obviously, games not going the way that you or the team wanted. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest with you, you game one wasn't a, a bad game for us at all. I mean, I, I think we led for, for roughly 40 minutes of, of that game. Um, you know, we didn't finish the game in the nature which we, we should have or certainly wanted to. Um, you know, Halifax went on a, a big run to finish that game. I think we were up 10 with about nine minutes left. And, uh, you know, they got hot. Zimmerman, you know, and, and Poole, similar to what they did late in the fourth quarter last night. Um, but either way, you know, I wasn't, completely displeased with, with game one. I wasn't happy with how we finished. Uh, obviously, game two, you know, is, is one you, you had to really kind of move on from quickly. Um, you know, Halifax came out shooting the ball extremely well. I think they were 7 of 10 from three in the first quarter and, you know, really kind of put us in a hole. Um, you know, that's, that's tough to come back out of, you know, against a team that, that is as good as, as Halifax. And certainly it was uh, at the Scotiabank Center. And, and, you know, they, they kind of smelled blood in the water and, and they really got after us and, uh, you know, suffered our, our worst loss of the season. And, you know, in hindsight that you never won as a playoff game, but, but maybe that was a good thing for us, uh, you know, to suffer a loss that, that kind of hurt the ego and then hurt your pride a little bit. Well, there's one thing uh, about the playoffs in particular, a loss, regardless yeah. whether it's by one point in triple overtime or by, double digits in regulation when it comes to the series count and the loss column it still just counts as one game and you and you obviously clear it away and you move on the team that wins has to do the same thing and before we move on to game three coach I know I was at Scotiabank Center I took in that game and sometimes and again this is not to take anything away from the Halifax Hurricanes and how well they played but sometimes you can watch a sporting event whether it's basketball hockey what have you and it's just that everything seems to go the way of one team 
and it's 180 degree opposite for the other team. And again, you have to give credit to Halifax where it's due, but there were times where there were unbelievable sequences under the basket where the ball was pinballing around, bouncing off players, and it would end up in the hands of a Halifax player, and they could reset their offense. At the other end, you guys would get one look, Halifax would rebound. It just seemed to be one of those things where everything went Halifax's way, and not a whole lot went your way, at least on the floor. When you're on the sideline coaching, are you cognizant of that? Are you standing there as well going, okay, this is just one of those games where it's just not in the cards? Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of rare when you, you, you look at a game that way or that kind of – I mean, it will hit you. It will hit you at some point like, hey, this is not our night. And, you know, it, it's rare that it's just because of the bounce of the basketball, you know, or, or you know – Shots not going in. I mean, there's all reasons for that. You know, I mean, Halifax played probably as well as, as they're going to play in, in game two. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we didn't play well. I mean, period. It, it wasn't, you know, a total nature of us not getting calls or, or the basketball not bouncing our way. Um, you know, I, I had said to the guys at halftime, we were down 27 at halftime, and, and it was like, you know, there is still time to come back in this game. You know, we came back from 17 down against St. John uh, in game five. And I said to the guys, you know, but, but the, the next six minutes is going to determine whether this game is still gettable or not. And, and at that point, you know, I think we were down 30, you know, at that point. So it was, it was time to, to rest, rest starters. It was time to, to get the guys out of there. We were not going to win game two uh, and you have to move on. And, and I was already thinking about game three and, you know, you hate to lose a playoff game in that nature. But, but again, it was what it was that night, and uh, we knew we, we needed to move on from that. And uh, I was just trying to be kind of smart in, in what I was doing and how I was handling and managing our guys and, and their minutes, uh, knowing we were coming back home, and, uh, and it was an absolute must-win for us game three situation. Well, that kind of answers uh, where I was going to go with the next uh, direction of the question, which was, you know, uh, the fans are very passionate about the team, about the league, and, and certainly Moncton Magic fans care a lot about the team. And, and not in a critical way, but some fans are just kind of wondering about certain guys on the bench. You know, would it be, was it because they were banged up? But you kind of answered it. So basically, you kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, as much as we want to win, we've got to chalk this one up to what it is. And let's get some guys, some bench rest, and kind of regroup for, for game three. Is, is, that, is that a fair assessment? Oh, no doubt. I mean, it comes a point in time, you know, you have to be realistic. And, and I, I, I love the fans. I love how passionate they are. And, and they just, you know, they, they always feel that, that, that we can win the game, you know, no matter what, we can come back. And it's funny, I joke with my wife about it all the time because she is extremely optimistic. And, you know, no matter what, the glass is always half full. And, you know, sometimes you just have to be real. And, and at that point in that game, down 30 on the road, the way the game had gone on, you know, with only 18 minutes left to play, uh, that game w was not going to be won by the Magic. And, you know, I, I had to make that decision and, uh, you know, definitely stick by it. Uh, but I, but I, I understand where fans come from. And, and they, they have a, a never-die, you know, type attitude, and, and that's great. And, and you love that. Um, but when it comes to a seven-game series, you also have to kind of be smart and, and, and try to manage your team the best that you can. Something else that can happen in the playoffs. I mean, it is a really a different season. The intensity is ratcheted up. Nobody really seems to take uh, any minutes off on the floor, so to speak. 
and the physicality can pick up and the aggression can pick up in a good way. But something that happened in that game too, an unfortunate situation, but Al Stewart, uh, one of the main cogs in the Moncton Magic Machine, uh, drove to the basket, came down, twisted his ankle ankle awkwardly, left the game, uh, was not available for last night. Are you able to give an update uh, on the status of Al Stewart? Yeah, yeah, you know, and the, the, the crazy thing is with that, you know, Al Stewart has been playing for such a long time, and, and I think this is my, you know, seventh or eighth season with Al, and, and that's only the second time he's, he's ever been injured. You know, Al is an extremely durable guy, so it's it's uh, it's uh, it was very out of the blue, and, and, you know, obviously he came down awkwardly, I think, on Mike Poole's uh, foot after shooting the layup, but he did suffer a, a you know, a slight ankle sprain. Uh, he's doing really well, though. The, the recovery is actually coming much quicker uh, than what we had anticipated. Uh, John Gonzalez, our head physiotherapist from, from Rehab One, is he's just a tremendous uh, physiotherapist, him and his staff there. And, and they've been working with Al once or twice a day, you know, since that injury, uh, giving him treatment. And he's actually uh, ahead of schedule, um, you know. So I think he's still probably doubtful for, for Thursday, uh, but we have very high hopes that he'll be back in the lineup for uh, for game five. I know I had a chance to talk to him uh, before the game last night, and he was very anxious to uh, get back out on the floor and, and to help his guys, as he put it. Uh, another um, injury update, if if you can. I know that uh, Anthony Cox, the Ant-Man, somebody that uh, we figured, David Tingley and I, my broadcast partner, figured would be a, kind of a key contributor against Halifax, um, had a collision, I believe, with Brent Jennings, uh, one of his teammates, and was in concussion protocol what can you tell us about where Anthony is? Because I know he was dressed last night, but uh, I don't think he hit the floor, but he was going to be under limited minutes anyway. But what can you give us for an update on Anthony? Yeah, he, he did uh, He did suffer from concussion-like symptoms uh, from, from game two. And, and I actually you know, have to kind of give credit to, to, to Halifax, the Halifax Hurricane uh, physiotherapy staff. They did a tremendous job with, with Anthony after the game, you know, uh, putting him right into the concussion testing and, they kind of gave our staff a, a baseline to work from, which is so important when it comes to, you know, uh, keeping a, a correct status of, of where a player is at with concussion symptoms. So uh, AC has been, um, he's been great the last couple of days. Um, you know, he actually was, was cleared, you know, to play yesterday. Um, but again, in, in the concussion protocol, you always want a player to have kind of a full contact practice before he goes back into to game speed and, and obviously see how he's doing after that. We, we did not have that opportunity uh, yesterday with, with Anthony. So, you know, we were going to only use him if absolutely needed. Um, my intent was to sit him at least the first quarter, if not the whole first half, and kind of see how the game was going. Obviously, we always want to look out for the best, you know, interest of our players and, and their safety. So uh, I, w- I was really happy we didn't have to go to, to AC last night. You know, this gives him another couple days. Uh, he will practice today, which is great. And, uh, you know, I, I would assume he's probably going to be 100% to go on uh, on Thursday night. Well, that'll certainly be good news for you and the coaching staff, having a, another able body to go to, especially in such a physical series. That takes us to last night. And again, Coach, I know just from talking to some of the guys last night prior to the game, they couldn't wait to get out on the court. And I'm sure that one of the main reasons was, yes, they want to play and get a chance to win, but I think they really wanted a chance to get back out there and completely erase what happened in game two. And 
to your point earlier, sometimes it's a bit of a pride thing, and sometimes, you know, that it kind of gives you a smack in the jaw, so to speak, and you, your pride gets a little bit hurt, and you want to get back out there. What was it like the day and a half or so from the end of that Halifax game until you got to play last night in terms of the mood with the guys, what film session was like, and, and just how much you could sense that they wanted to get back out there for game three? Yeah, they were certainly chomping at the bit. I mean, you know, we, we haven't lost many times this season by, by double digits, let alone the amount that we did in, in game two. And, and you know, I, I tried really kind of emphasizing with the guys, like, hey, you know, you're, you're playing, you know, to compete for a championship. But, but I, I know how, you know, I know you guys. And, and I know the, the, the nature of the athletes in this league. And you really have to consider, you know, th- this was a big hit on our pride, you know, to – how game two went and, and it's time to kind of, kind of stand up for ourselves here a little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, just kind of get our confidence back and, and get a little bit of swagger back and, um, how we were going to handle ourselves in, in game three was really going to kind of determine that, I think, for the rest of the series. So, uh, it was important. We talked about that. We, we talked about, you know, that it was an embarrassment in, in game two and, and that for our guys just isn't acceptable. And they responded well to that. You know, they, they certainly had a, a focus over the last day and a half leading up to game three. Um, not once did I get any hint from a single player in our locker room that, that this series was over. You know, they, they knew coming back home, we're, we're pretty tough. You know, we're, we've been tough at the Coliseum all season long. So, you know, they were talking not getting game three, but, but getting game three and four and, and protecting this home court and, and you know, making it a three-game series. Well, there's no question that from where I was sitting uh, center court doing the broadcast, I got a sense very early on that this was as energized and as focused a Moncton Magic team as I had seen all year, including the playoffs versus St. John. A question I like to ask the coaches all the time is that you can prep the guys, you can go over film, you can hash out a game plan, but sometimes as a coach you can be on the sideline and in that first six, seven minutes – you can get a sense of, okay, we're good, we're on the right track, or, uh-oh, this is not exactly what I was hoping for. When did you get a sense from a coaching position on the sideline watching your guys from the start of that game? What point of the game did you get the sense that, okay, these guys are delivering what I thought they would deliver, and there's their pride showing through, there's their home court protecting through, and we got this one? You know, probably not until there was about two or three minutes left in, in the first quarter. Um, you know, I, I thought we, 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 we started the game fairly well. It was almost like two teams were kind of feeling each other out a little bit. But I, but I did think, you know, we were slightly complacent on a couple of defensive possessions. Um, you know, I, I obviously I, I heard Dave uh, Tingley commenting, you know, that Billy White just has these wide open looks and, and from three. And that's certainly not in, in our game plan. You know, we would have we would have. We would like to have Billy taking shots from, from 23 feet out rather than, than four feet out, of course. But we obviously still need to challenge and contest those shots. And um, So I wasn't quite sure. You know, the way we started that game, we, we had a couple lapses defensively, and we knew how sharp we needed to be, you know, after giving up a, a buck 20 in game two. Um, but with the final couple minutes of the first quarter, we, we started kind of clamping down. And I, I believe we started the second quarter with, with nine straight, stops defensively and, and, and that's pretty tough to do um you know we track something we, we call kills which which probably isn't a a great 
name for it, but, uh, you know, that's whenever we can get, you know, three stops in a row over the course of a game. You know, we would count that as, as one kill, and we're kind of killing their our opponent's offensive flow, right? Um, so for us to get nine in a row is is almost unheard of, and, and I knew at that point in time we were really locked in, uh, and I knew, you know, we were going to give ourselves an opportunity to, to win the game. Yeah, I think it was roughly uh, eight minutes into that second quarter before you allowed Halifax to score. And it's funny, coaches are uh, always noticing these details. When I had a chance to talk to Coach Mike Leslie at the end of the half, it was one of the first things he mentioned. He said, uh, yeah, he goes, uh, we went about eight minutes without scoring. He goes, that can't happen. The whole team, obviously, you know, I like to say it all the time. It's a team game. Everybody's got to pull together. But my goodness, Juan Patillo and Anthony Anderson really seemed to be sharing the same brain last night. There were several pick and rolls. There were several times where Anthony had the ball and he could see Juan making his way to the basket. And I don't know how many times Anthony was able to feed the ball inside to Juan for the most case, pretty easy buckets for a big athletic guy like Juan Patillo. Uh, how surprised were you to see that? Not, not that it worked, but that it seemed to work so many times over and over again. I mean, I, I was surprised that, that there wasn't maybe, you know, a little bit of a defensive adjustment made sooner uh, by Halifax. Um, but I wasn't surprised at the success we were having in what we were running with those two guys. You know, those guys have some, some great chemistry going on right now. And, you know, it's interesting when, when you're talking about screen and roll and, and, you know, you're really putting two guys in the center of the floor and, and looking at those two guys to create, like, like Anthony Anderson and, and Juan last night, you know, just as big of a contributing factor as, as the other guys on the floor, Corey Allman, Jason Calise, you know, these guys that you, you really don't want to help off of. So it just puts a lot of pressure on, on defenses to, you know, they have to pick and choose. Are we going to guard Patillo, you know, rolling all the way to the rim? Are we going to bring more attention to Anthony Anderson coming off the screen? Or are we going to help off of guys like Allman and, and Jason Calise and give them open looks from three? So, uh, we just kind of found a rhythm with that last night offensively, and, you know, we were having some success with it. And, and we were going to continue to run it, you know, un, until we didn't have success with it. So, um, you know, those two guys just played at, at an extremely high level last night. Yeah, I mean, obviously their their stats showed, but, uh, you know, Anthony Anderson, in, in my mind, I know a lot of people were commenting that was kind of vintage Anthony Anderson. Um, he just found kind of a different gear last night, and – he just got more aggressive going to the rim, and it just opens up an awful lot of other things for us offensively. So, you know, we found some stuff that was clicking last night, and, um, you know, we'll continue to, to try to go to that. Well, you talk about Anthony Anderson. We've talked about him several times all season long on the podcast and certainly on the broadcast, but uh, he's a pro's pro. I mean, sometimes that's a cliche term, but for my money last night, the different gear that you mentioned, it's almost, and I think I mentioned this on the broadcast to Dave, it's almost like Anthony Anderson being the pro that he is perhaps to himself prior to the game said, okay, you know what? We got to step it up. We need this game tonight. No Al Stewart. So I've got to kind of take more on myself. And it was almost like he willed himself to find that other gear because he knew that the team was going to be relying on it. And there's one play coach that for me was as fun as I've seen Anthony Anderson all year. He had the ball out high was looking for maybe a pass down low, decided to drive, and he absolutely crossed up Billy White and had Billy White kind of breaking ankles. Or the term I used in the broadcast was on skates. 
What were you thinking when you saw Al make, or excuse me, Anthony make that move? Oh, I just knew he was kind of in his in his zone. You know, I, the the zone I, I've seen Double A get into multiple times over the span of, of several seasons in this league. Um, you know, he was he was feeling it. You know, and, and he was playing with confidence, and he was playing with that Double A swag that that no one else in this league really has. Um, you know, when he has it going, and and I love to see it. I just love to see him. You know, being aggressive. Um, you know, he was certainly aggressive on, on that play. The entire team certainly stepped up, and you talk about aggressive. It's It's been a physical series. There's no question about it. How difficult is it to coach on the sidelines and to see the physicality that's going on out there? I know last night you were very animated. You were very into it. But how hard is it for you personally sometimes, Coach, just to kind of say to yourself, okay, Joe, step back a little bit here. It's, it's getting pretty heated on the floor, and I kind of got to not get – over the top uh i mean it can be hard i mean you, you certainly need to, to catch yourself at, at some points um you know i mean there's some point you you as a coach just want to go out there on, on the court too you know with, with your guys and um so it can be difficult at, at, at sometimes you know but but to be honest with you i i was thrilled uh to see the level of intensity you know the, the little bit of, of of jawing and you know i mean Halifax over the first couple of day games, you know, when, when they're playing well, they've, they've certainly let our guys know it. And, you know, I said, hey, you know, we need to play with that kind of confidence. We need to play with that swagger a little bit and, and you know, put some pressure on these guys a little bit. So that was something we talked about going to the first couple of games. It's like, hey, you know, there, there can't be any back down tonight. You know, um, let, let these guys know you're here to play. And, and I thought we did that. And, you know, obviously the, 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 the kind of most the telltale from that was, was, was Jeremy Williams. You know, Jeremy Williams got into a, a little bit of a, of a dust-up, you know, a little bit with, with Billy White last night. And, you know, that is probably the last guy on our roster that you would expect to that let that aggression show. And, and I, I could not have been happier with, with Jay Will uh, because it just told me he was, he was tuned in. He kind of knew what we needed to do. And, and I thought that that sparked us a little bit as well. So, uh, I think, you know, the, the message for the guys to play with that kind of intensity and, and I as a coach on the sideline, to get back to your question, you know, I felt that, that I needed to, to really kind of bring that too. And, and you just, you got to be on board, you know, with your guys. You have to show them that, that what you're preaching is, is, is what you're, you know, following as well. Um, so, you know, you have to bring energies to playoffs. You're down 0-2, and, and I thought our guys did that last night. And there's kind of a uh, another reason that I went down that, line of questioning, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. It's something that happened very late in that fourth quarter that really kind of sealed what was going to happen in terms of uh, the final result. But in that fourth quarter, Coach, you guys got up again by double digits, and with about five minutes or so left, it really seemed that you guys were home and cool. But Dave and I, again, on the broadcast, one of the things we were saying was, you know, hey, you can't sleep on this Halifax Hurricanes team, and I know that you guys know that. All of a sudden, they start to make their run. They stop you guys a couple of times. They hit a couple of shots. Next thing you know, it's a two-possession game. What was your message? Because I know you called a timeout as that started to happen, as the floor started to tilt down toward your end. What was your message to the guys when you could see that Halifax was starting to make one of those hurricane runs? 
Well, A, settle down, you know, like, let, let's keep our composure here, you know, but, but B, just, just continue to do what we have done, you know, the entire game. We, we had won the first three quarters, and, and we had talked a lot about, you know, winning 12 minutes at a time. Um, I think we lost the fourth quarter by two. Um, but it, it was really like, hey, you know what, let's keep our composure. You know, let's continue to get good shots. And, and a big reason why Halifax can, can make those runs in the nature that they do, they, they push the ball so well. I mean, they get it off the glass, and, and they're just gone. And obviously defending the three-point line in transition is, is probably one of the toughest things to do uh, in basketball. And, and Halifax just did a great job finding, you know, Taquan Zimmerman and, and Mike Poole in transition. And, and when they're hitting shots like that, um, you know, obviously they're going to put points up on the board in a hurry. So they, they made a run, you know, and again, for us it was let's settle down. We've worked too hard to, to win this game, this must-win game for us. You know, we're not going to let this slip away in the, in the final three minutes. Well, certainly from where we were sitting uh, center court, you could see that there was absolutely no panic in any of the guys on the Moncton Magic. And as Halifax was starting to make that run, and I believe it was maybe a four-point game at the time, but there was a uh, situation underneath the basket, and Ramel Brown uh, went up high. A couple of guys went up. Same kind of play that we'd been seeing all game long. And unfortunately, as sometimes you see in the game of basketball, Ramel Brown came down awkwardly and not 100% sure of the injury, but I believe, uh, again, I don't want to speculate, but I think it was an injury perhaps to his wrist. Uh, He left the game, um, obviously not sure whether he's going to be back for game four. But when that happened, the temperature on the floor really rose, and it certainly did on the Halifax side. Coach Mike Leslie and his assistants were very incensed. Uh, they felt that perhaps uh, Ramel Brown was undercut a little bit. I believe that the replay bears out that that wasn't the case. However, in the heat of the moment, the coaching staff, very incensed. The Halifax bench got upset. And the next thing you know, Halifax gets a couple of technicals, gave you guys possession, gave you shots, and that really kind of sealed the deal. When you saw that unfold, what was going through your mind, being a coach again, that you're an emotional guy yourself, but as you're seeing this happen, what's going through your mind? Well, my first thing was was was, was hoping that, you know, Emil Brown was okay. Um, I was a little bit kind of blindsided from, from the actual play. There were some bodies in front of me. Uh, obviously, those are two very big guys, and, and they're both going up for the basketball, you know, three, four, five feet up in the air. Um and it, there was no question after watching the replay, there was, it was just incidental contact. It looked like actually the two hips uh, hit each other you know, and Romeo Brown's momentum, you know, carried him upward and, and then he came down very awkwardly. Um, but so first I was, I was hoping, you know, Romeo Brown was okay. I know he's one of the guys in this league. I think everybody has respect for, you know, because he plays so hard. He plays his, he just does his job. He, he's a great role player, great defender. Um, you know, so obviously hoping he was okay. And then once I saw, you know, the technicals take place, I I could certainly understand, you know, why Halifax would have, would have been upset in the heat of the moment. You know, it's a tight game. A guy goes down awkwardly. He's obviously injured, you know, um, and you can lose your cool. I mean, you can lose your cool very quickly. You know, obviously I've done that. I mean, I, I did that this, this season at a home game against St. John. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I believe it was Mike's assistant coach who, who took two technical fouls. I, I don't think Mike 
uh, was, was given one of the, I think it was an assistant coach, which, you know, obviously at that point in that game, you have to try to be able to control yourself a, a little bit more um, because it certainly did. It certainly sealed the game. You know, all of a sudden we went from being up four to, to up, you know, eight or ten pretty quickly. So uh, it, was, it was a tough situation, but it's playoff basketball. Emotions run high, um, you know, so I can understand how they would have reacted quickly to that. Uh, and it's just it's unfortunate that, you know, they, they acquired a couple of technicals late in the game. Well, and just to kind of finish that up, Two teams, and I said it uh, during the game last night, but two teams that uh, obviously have a, a huge amount of respect for one another. And at the end of the game, uh, in the handshake line, you know, Coach Mike Leslie, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, had a big smile on his face, had a couple of nice moments with some of the guys. You guys obviously uh, know each other well, and you guys shook hands. And it was two Warriors uh, going to battle and then uh, some mutual respect afterwards. And, and that's nice to see. And, and what's that like for you when – you guys are going at it, you know, like two heavyweights in the ring, blow for blow, and then the final buzzer sounds, and then you're kind of just showing that respect. What's that like for you as a coach going through that handshake line? Well, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, it, it's nice to do. I mean, it, it's nice to do that you you are. You're kind of showing the team you just played respect, whether whether you won the game or, or lost the game. You know, I mean, the, all these guys – in the heat of the moment, they're, they're going to go at each other, right? I mean, it's just the, the nature of the game, and, and you want to see that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I mean, watching film this morning, I, I saw, you know, multiple times Juan Patillo kind of patting Ramil Brown on, on the back, you know, after a good play. And, you know, Billy White and Juan Patillo are, are great friends. They, 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 you know, they're both from the Vegas area. They work out together in the summer. Clifford Klingscales and, and Al Stewart, Anthony Anderson, they're going at each other for years. So, as much as it may look and as heated as it can get at times, <clears throat> these guys could turn it off pretty quickly after a game. And, and, hey, you know, you got the best of us tonight. We look forward to seeing you the next time. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's good. It's good to do after game and, and kind of clear the air and, and then just move on to the next game. Well, I know it was a heck of a lot of fun to call that one last night, and I can't wait for Thursday night. And to that end, obviously, you know how big that game was last night. Certainly, perhaps uh, the biggest win on the year. Listen, you had to win four to get the series, but you know, you guys go down 3 0 to Halifax. It's a real tough hill to climb. 2 1, completely different series. When that game ended last night and the final buzzer did go, how much did you exhale? And what were the first couple of things you thought about knowing that you had secured the first win in the series and now it was 2 1? You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't exhale much. You know, I mean, it. it Obviously, you, you want to get that win and, and you know protect your home court. And but there wasn't really a sense of relief. I mean, there was a sense of joy that that we had won the game. And and I thought you know we kind of answered the bell and did what we had to do to put ourselves back in a position you know to potentially tie this series. You know, having Game Four at home. Um, you know, my, my first thought was, hey, we just bought we bought ourselves another game. You know, and, and right now when you're down 0-2 all you could try to do is, is extend the series and continue to try to give yourself a chance to win. Um, so my, my first thought was, okay, we're headed back to Halifax. You know, no matter what, we're headed back to Halifax, and, and, and that's a good thing. You know, that was my initial thought. So, um, like I said, man, I was very pleased with the win. I was very pleased with the, the intensity the guys brought last night. You have to play that Halifax team with 
with a little bit of aggression, you know, with a little bit of nasty to you because they're that good. And um, I thought I thought our guys did that last night. So I, I was proud of them, and, and I was certainly happy with the win. No question about it. Now, this might seem like an obvious question, but sometimes I like to ask the obvious questions. The win aside, that's obviously the biggest news from last night. But for you and the coaching staff, what would you see as the one biggest difference between what you saw from your team in game two and what you saw from your team in game three? Oh, no, no doubt. Just passion, you know, desire, um, the will to, to win. I mean, that was, to me, the most evident thing without question and probably the most important factor uh, in the game. I thought from from that we, we defended much harder. And, you know, Halifax is a team, you know, they, they move the ball very well. They have great ball movement, which, which frees up a lot of shots. And, and if you're not trying to make them uncomfortable, if you're not trying to take some of those things away, they'll pick you apart. Um, so us picking up our, our level of intensity, you know, really kind of picked us up on the defensive end. And, you know, if you take that, that quick fourth quarter run, you know, those final three, four minutes out of the game, you know, we, we held them to – a pretty pretty low number for for as good of an offensive team as Halifax is. So um, to me, that was that was easily the, the most identifiable thing, the biggest change between games two and game three. Well, it's going to be an exciting one tomorrow night. Now, Coach, uh, I put a message on the Moncton Magic fan page on Facebook asking if anybody might have some questions that they would like to ask you. So uh, if you're open to that, I got a, a couple of questions here. That if I can take you down that path. Yeah, of course. All right. John Gonzalez, his question is, he'd like to know what you would say for you, Coach of the Magic, is your highlight or favorite game moment from the regular season this year with the Moncton Magic? Boy, um, there's been some good moments. Yeah, there's been some good moments. Um, you know, I, I think probably my probably one of my favorite games – games not just moment i guess would be uh our first game um in your hometown in, in st john's up, up on the rock uh it was just such a great crowd and we played extremely well and i mean that was a game Corey allman just went off and, and hit 11 threes and it was a great atmosphere and um it was just a really great win up there for us that was probably one of my, my favorite games i think most exciting moment that, that i've had all season um would have been towards the end of, of game five uh, in the St. John series, you know, where we, we it was a must win situation or our season was over and um, we had battled back from, from 17 down and uh, the Terry Thomas steal uh, finishing with, with an and one, a, a three point play, um, the level of excitement there, you know, that, that kind of capped off that, that comeback run. That was probably the most excited I've, I've been all season long at any single point. Uh, when, when he got that that end one finish, um, which I've watched numerous times, I've watched your your call on that numerous times. Um, but you know what, my favorite play of the season, I'll do I'll do Johnny Gonzalez one better here. I'll give you my my favorite game, my most exciting moment, and my favorite play. Um, it might have been the forty foot bounce pass that that Jason Calise, you know, threaded the needle to to a breaking Terry Thomas. Uh, I forget who we were playing that game. It, it might have been, it might have been Halifax at home. Um, he just threw a pass that that never got higher than than two feet off the floor, about forty feet long, with some backspin on. It was just an incredible, 
incredible pass. And, uh, that, was, that was probably my favorite play of the season. So, But there's been a lot. There's been a lot of great moments uh, with the Magic this season, and we're certainly hoping there's many more to come. That's not bad. You gave uh, you gave John a top three. Yeah, well, Johnny Johnny's our guy. We got we got. John wants to ask a question. I'm going to give him the best answers I possibly can. <laughs> well, that's well done. You you went game, you microed it down to moment, and then even further to a play. So well done, coach. <laughs> All right, I, I got another one for you uh, from my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, the Ting Man. Now, he probably didn't think I would actually go this way, but uh, his first question that he entered in the uh, in the post on Facebook was, uh, what's Coach's favorite color? So, Coach, uh, there it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to think it's a, it's a total cop-out. It's a total cop-out. But but the combination of, of black and silver is no doubt my, my favorite colors. And to prove this, not just a cop-out that I, that I coached the Moncton Magic, and, and these are some of our colors, is – um, I was married, oh boy, 11, 11 years ago, 10, 10 or 11 years ago, I've been married now. Um, and, uh, my wife, Darcy and I, our wedding colors were actually black and silver. Uh, that was the theme of our, uh, of our wedding. So I, I have photos to prove it that I'm not just making this up, but, uh, yeah, black and, and silver, the combination of the two would, would be my, my favorite colors. Now, a new England guy from Vermont, black and silver, is there some deep, dark uh, love of the uh, of the Raiders? No, I have no love for, for Raider Nation at all. I uh, no zero none. It's it's strictly black and silver, the color, nothing to do with a with the the team that it's probably most familiar with, the Raiders. However, to your point, you ended up getting team colors that match your favorites with the Moncton Magic. I did, and you know what? Here's something a, a, a did you know, and, and most people probably don't. I don't know if I even should talk about it, but but originally uh, the Moncton Magic were potentially going to be some some different colors, and it wasn't until very late after we had gone through a few different uh, logo designs that ultimately uh, the team settled on on black and white and silver as its colors. But those originally uh, at, at first first design first draft. Um, I think they were they were thinking about going a different way, but I'm certainly glad they they went black and silver. Now, Coach, I wouldn't be the host of the podcast if I didn't try to dig a little deeper and go. Do you know what the original draft colors were? Well, again, this was never the the magic logo. I mean, we were black and silver. But I know through some initial designs, I think I think the team we've been looking at. Um, Kind of a kind of a lighter blue, not not necessarily like a powder blue or a North Carolina blue, but kind of a blue and gold and white. I know I've been kicked around uh, quite a bit, kind of similar to the Denver Nuggets. Um, I know we had kind of looked at some designs like that, but uh, you know I think once they settled on on Magic and black and silver and white, I mean it just it goes perfect with the name. So I am I'm thrilled that, that that's the colors they ended up going with, which were also my my favorite colors. It definitely works, and uh, I can't picture the Moncton Magic in any other color combination than what they have. And see, if I hadn't have asked that question, we wouldn't have even gone down that path. That's why I do it. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Now, Dave did, in fairness, because, you know, he is a basketball guy, he did follow up with uh, what he deems to be a little more serious question. But it's got to do with something you see all the time in basketball, and certainly it steps up during the playoffs, and that's coaches, quote-unquote, working 
the officials. And, you know, we saw an example of it last night with both you and Mike Leslie getting in the officials' ear. But basically, Dave's question is, you know, what your attitude is about working the officials and how, if at all, it can change a game, uh, game to game, or even within a, a particular game itself. And if you sometimes feel as a coach that you need to step in and, again, in quotations, protect your guys and kind of be that buffer and get your message across to the officials. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 part of coaching, I mean, absolutely is. You can call it working the officials, but realistically, it's communicating with the officials. Um, kind of a two-part question there, so I guess I'll kind of take the latter. And, and I mean, the first one, when it comes to – you know, standing up for your players, there's, there's absolutely times that, that you have to do that. Um, you know, it, it shows your team that, that you have their back and, and you're invested in, and you're willing to do whatever it takes to kind of, um, you know, stand up for them. And, and I think that is important. Your players need to know that, that their coach does have their back. And, um, you know, it, it's not so often that that happens, you know, to the, to the extent of, of maybe you're willing to get a technical foul to, to kind of prove a point or, prove a point to your players and the officials, you know, that, Hey, what's going on here isn't, isn't right. And, and I'm going to let it be known. And, uh, you know, Jeff Dunlap, the head coach of the edge, I mean, he was quoted in a, in a recent interview after his, uh, his game two ejection, you know, that he felt the game was, was being refed, uh, you know, poorly or unfairly. And, and he needed to kind of make a statement, which, which he did. And, and he did say following the game, he felt that, uh, that the officiating got better, you know, after his ejection. So uh, you do have to stand up for your team at, at certain points, no no question about it. As far as kind of working the officials and, you know, can that change a game, I, I don't feel it can directly change a game. Can it have a slight impact? Obviously. I mean, it obviously can. And, you know, the better officials in our league, they're not going to let what a player says to them or what a coach says to them no matter how many times they say it, you know, impact their judgment. You know, that's what good officials, they're, they're not going to allow anybody, fans, players, coaches, impact how they officiate the game or what they feel is, is, is fit. Um, but at the same time, good officials will listen to you and they will take notice. They, they will take notice. Um, I'll give you an example in the St. John series, you know, we run a lot of down screens. That's how we free Corey Almond up and Jason Calise up and some of our great shooters. And, and, you know, we felt that a lot of times St. John may have been holding, you know, our guys coming off some of these down screens and taking away a big part of what we do offensively. So no doubt, probably 50% of the time when I was talking to officials, I was continuing to remind them of this hold that we felt was going on. And, and sooner or later, you're going to get those calls and, and what you're doing is just bringing it to, to their attention. Um, you know, and, and I think that the last part of that, when it comes to working officials, you, you can't be the boy who cried, cried wolf. You know, you, you, you're never going to help yourself as a coach by complaining about every call or every no call. You're, you're just going to seem like the boy who's crying wolf. And, you know, officials won't, won't give you the time of day after that because they'll never feel what you're saying is, is, is kind of true. So I really only try to, you know, call it complaining or, or really kind of get in the officials ear, if you will, uh, when, when I have a case, you know, and I think officials respect that. I've had officials tell me, you know, Joe, most of the time we listen to you because you, you know, when you complain about something, you normally have a case to argue. 
And I think that's really important. That's certainly some advice I would give younger coaches. Don't be all over the officials the entire game. Pick your places. You know, get your point across when you do pick those places. But make sure you have a case to argue or, or they'll never listen to you. And I know a lot of times when I'm sitting courtside and those conversations take place anywhere close to the broadcast table, we try to listen in because it's interesting. But maybe I know all conversations are different, but for the most part, take us inside those conversations real quick. What's it like when you have those moments with the officials, especially the ones who like to listen and will kind of have a back and forth with you? For the most part, the, the officials that will give you the time of day and they will actually listen to you, and not every official does. You know, and I'm a big proponent of officials should communicate with you. Um, you know, as long as the coach is communicating in a fashion that's that's reasonable. Uh, you know, refs should should have some conversation with coaches. Um, for officials that actually listen to you, you know, the, in that moment for me, as soon as I know that this official is going to listen to me for a moment, I try to tone it down. I try to tone my emotions down. And I try to talk to them in, in a reasonable fashion because if I'm just flying off the handle, which which every coach can do at times, you're probably not going to get your point across clear. You're just going to sound like you're yelling and screaming a lot. So in that moment, I, I try to tone it down a little bit if this official is going to give me the, the time of day. If he's not, then, then most of the time the, the coach's volume will go up until you get his attention, uh, which most of the time doesn't end up being productive uh, to begin with. Well, it's always fun to watch those interactions for sure. And again, I really appreciate your time, Coach. Uh, I know it's a busy day for you, and I have a tendency to keep you around longer than I thought that I would. But when we get chat, and it just kind of takes on a life of its own, and it's always a lot of fun. But I want to finish up with talking about your dad, because I know how important it is for you to have family around. Uh, you have your wife and kids around the arena as much as you can, and it's always a delight to see them. Talking to Cam last night and his lucky crystal, I told him he's got to make sure he brings it thursday night but had a great chance to talk to your dad joe senior he's a delightful guy he's always got a smile on his face and i i was joking with him before i said oh i said you're here for game three i said uh, did coach bring in as the lucky charm and he laughed at me and he goes well he goes i don't know about that he said if i was joe's lucky charm he said he'd have seven trophies by now he said he does fine without me he doesn't need me he said but i like being here what's it like <laughs> Oh, it's, it's great, you know, but it's a lot of it's a lot of late nights when when my father comes to visit because we'll we'll just talk uh, we'll talk the game or we'll talk the series to death. You know, I don't think I got to bed before one thirty. You know, each each of the nights he was he was here, but um, you know, it's great. I mean, it's great anytime I have any of my my family up. You know, my my mother um, caught a couple games this year. Um, both of my sisters, one who lives in Arizona you know, caught a game this year. And, and my younger sister lives in Vermont, you know, caught only her second game in about, well, seven seasons now. So um, all of them are, are very supportive. But, yeah, when, when my father comes up, I mean, you and I have talked. I mean, he had a, a big influence on my life and certainly in the game of basketball. And uh, he is as big of a, of a fan as you could you could possibly find. But uh, he's in tune. He's in tune with the team. Um, he's seen these guys play for years. You know, he's very in tune when I'm building my training camp roster. You know, I keep him in the loop. And, and you know, he's kind of like a, a consultant, you know, down in, in the States that, that I'll call. I mean, he watches all of our games multiple times, um, you know, and, and he has input, you know. And, and I'll listen to his input for the most part. I don't always take it. I don't always agree with it. And um, 
but you know, it, it's it's certainly another set of eyes, and, and from a guy who's been around the game for for a long time, that that I I'll take advantage of. You know, I mean, just last night in my living room, <laughs> at literally probably 1 a.m., you know, I was trying to explain to him, you know, why our screen and roll was successful, and I actually had one of the kids, one of my my kids little dry erase boards and I'm, I'm drawing on it, you know, at 1am in my living room last night, um, kind of explaining it to him. So, uh, no, it's, it's great, man. It's great when he makes it up. Well, it's, it's so funny. And you're right. He is so in tune. Uh, the final buzzer had barely sounded last night and Dave, uh, and I had a chance to talk to him quickly and, and he, before we could even say anything, he was breaking down the stat line and he was talking about the screen and roll and how many points Juan had and, and double A's night. And as I'm standing there talking to him, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, hmm, let's see. I think I should create some kind of show, the NBL Canada version of Coach's Corner starring Joe Salerno Sr. and put it on Periscope TV or something. I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, he'd probably be up for it. He'll... uh he can talk. He can talk with the, the best of them. You know, my, my father's been in, in basketball. He's been in marketing. He's been in sales, you know, his entire life. I'm, I'm telling you, the guy could sell ice to Eskimos. You know, there, there's no question about it. And, um, you know, when it comes to the NBL, I mean, he will he will talk for days. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have enough time on your podcast. Um, I, you know, so many times I'll, I'll be on the phone with my father for – you know, 90 minutes and, and, you know, Darcy will, will be like, so how's he doing? What's going on at home? You know? And, and I have no clue because we didn't discuss anything other than basketball. Um, you know, maybe it's happened in the last 10 minutes. He always asks how, how the grandkids are doing, but, uh, you know, other than that, it's, it's pretty much all, all basketball all the time, uh, with, with him for sure. And you know what? It's, it's only NBO Canada basketball. Uh, a couple nights ago, we had on uh, the Rockets game. We were, we were watching the Rockets game, and, and, and Mitch was there, and he was kind of watching with us. And, you know, my dad, this, this is the first NBA game I've seen all season. You know, so it's, it's not it's, – it's NBL Canada or bust. That's just uh, – that's the way he is. Well, and he – again, he's great, and, and what a great resource for you. And it's really cool to see that relationship. There's no doubt about it. And now I can't get the image. I, I wish that somehow, some way. There would have been a photographer there to take a picture. I, I, I can't stop thinking about you and your dad in your living room one o'clock in the morning and you with like a Fisher Price whiteboard and a little <laughs> a little dry erase marker drawn up the screen and roll. What a great picture that would be. That's that's exactly what it was. And he's saying, Well, what do you think? You know, how's Halifax gonna counter in game four? I said, Well, if they do this, then we're gonna do this. And if it you know, and, and that's that that's kind of the way it went for, you know, about fifteen minutes. I said, I said Pop, I, I gotta get to bed, man. Like I, I gotta go I gotta go to bed, you know, I got I gotta I got practice tomorrow on film and uh but uh but yeah, he uh he had to head back to Vermont uh today. He's probably driving obviously right now, so uh you know, but as he's leaving, he says, "Man, I got a I got a busy night tonight. When I get home, I you know I, I got to rewatch your game. I got to listen to the podcast. You know, like that's just uh, <laughs> that's that's the way he is. So, um, but no, I, like I said, I love, love having him up here. Well, uh, if I know we're live now, but Joe Senior, if you're uh, listening to this on the archive, uh, how you doing down there in Vermont? Hope you had safe travels. Say hello to your lovely wife. <laughs> now, <laughs> 
Now, I know that you've got film and you've got other game planning to do, so I don't want to keep you any longer. It's 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 been great chatting with you, but just real quick, Coach, what are a couple of things that you want to work on uh, today, and you know what do you really want to see in game four for your guys tomorrow? Because obviously, fresh start, new game, both teams coming at it, 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah, I mean, we certainly want to see more of the same, um, you know, intensity. Uh, no doubt, you know, we, we have to see that. Like I said, that that's how we have to play this Halifax team because they're they're just that good. Um, you know, for me today, we really have to kind of plan on you know how we think Halifax will will counter to you know some of what we we did well in in Game Three. We have prepared for for counter action. Um, you know, defensively, we still got to clean a couple things up. So I mean, there's certainly things to to work on today. Um, in every game in a series, you know, it's it's a game by game adjustment and you just have to go into them prepared, you know, kind of anticipating what, what you may see. So, um, yeah, a lot of work left to do, you know, in, in this series. Um, you know, I, I felt great about game three last night, but it, but it pretty much stopped this morning and I was kind of already, you know, saying, Oh boy, we, we got to get ready for game four years. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to do and we just have to come out and again, play with that passion to, to win. And, and, uh, I'm sure we'll feed off our crowd again, uh, in game four and you know hopefully uh hopefully try to, to get into the game make sure we get into the game back here in Moncton well it is basketball but certainly from the coaching standpoint uh, the chess match continues coach yeah it absolutely does well listen we certainly appreciate your time I know it's a busy day but we always love having you on the podcast I know the fans appreciate it as well and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow night for a uh, big game four uh, best of luck with your preparations today and of course Best of luck tomorrow night in Game 4. Hoping that you tie up the series. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Okay, Scott. Thanks a lot. That's Coach Joe Salerno. He and the Moncton Magic won last night to pull a little closer in the series. It's now two games to one for the Halifax Hurricanes in this best-of-seven Atlantic Division Final. One of these two teams will go to the NBL Canada Final. They'll play either the St. John's Edge or the London Lightning. That series currently tied at two. Again, tomorrow night, Moncton Coliseum, 7 p.m. Atlantic. If you are in or around the greater Moncton area, I would encourage you to get tickets and get out to see that game. You can visit MonctonMagic.ca to purchase your tickets online. You can also get them as a walk-up on game night. And the series will shift back to Halifax on Saturday. And should there be a game beyond that, it will be Sunday afternoon back at the Coliseum tentatively I believe game time would be 2 o'clock. But again, first and foremost, tomorrow night, Thursday, April 26, 7 p.m., get out to the Coliseum and support your Moncton Magic. And if you can't get out to the game, you can certainly tune in and listen to Dave Tingley and I bring you the broadcast. Again, the live stream link will be at MonctonMagic.ca. Once again, thank you very much to Coach Joe Salerno for joining us on the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friends. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, Be a good one anyway. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media.